Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. My guest today is Dr. Pat Davidson, an exercise physiologist, strength and conditioning coach, best-selling author, and the host of the Pat Davidson Podcast. This is one of the most powerful podcasts I have ever done, period. If you or someone you know wants to change their body composition for good, then this is the episode for you and for them. Grab a pen and paper and write down everything that Pat discusses. If you have a friend or a loved one on a body composition journey, copy the link and send it to them. No joke, I really believe this could change someone's life. Because today, Pat unpacks his recent body composition journey and how consistently focusing on evidence-based approaches leads to less suffering and predictable results. Pat explains why you shouldn't be emotionally reactive to scale weight, why you need to find a three-year diet, and how time under the curve and sticking to the fundamentals will determine your success. Finally, Pat details the mindset required for long-term body composition changes, He doesn't pull any punches, and he speaks the truth, so get ready. But before we get started, if you want to improve your overall health, well-being, and performance, I invite you to check out my newsletter, Adaptation. Every Friday, I'll send you actionable tips for your mind, body, and recovery. From new scientific findings to practical insight and helpful resources I've curated as a performance practitioner. This newsletter is for busy people looking to unlock their performance potential. Sign up for the newsletter now at www.ericquorum.com or by simply clicking the link in the show notes. So now, it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Pat, I've followed you for a while on social media. First of all, like you are, it seems from what I can see, like a very strong person. You carry a lot of muscle mass. I've noticed that you've kind of gone through a body composition change. I would love to kind of talk about that journey, when it started, what kicked off that journey. Is this something you've done before? Just, Mm. I would love to learn more about this process for you. Yeah. You know, it's funny, like, I was always strong, even as a kid, you know what I mean? Like where, you know, you do like the presidential testing stuff and it was just like, like just stupid scores. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. just doing things like 20 plus pull-ups when I was like 12 years old. And oh, God. You know, yeah. So it was always like, that was always just stuff I was really good at from for forever. You know what I mean? And I, I can kind of see it even with my son where it's just like, he's just like kind of bizarrely strong for a two-year-old. Where it's like, you know, he was stiff arming me in the face in the morning yesterday. And I was like, oh, God, this feels like a man pushing me in my jaw. <laughs> so there's like definitely some some genetic elements to to that, I think. And, and the other thing is, like, I have for sure, like, competed in sports where I've had to make weight a bunch of times throughout my life. I fought professionally in, in MMA and I did submission wrestling and, wow. and that kind of stuff. And I also competed in strongman when I was in my 30s. And I competed in, in MMA at 154 and a half pounds. I competed in submission wrestling at 159. I competed in strongman at 175. And so it was always challenging for me to make those weights. Back in the day, I just did crazy stuff. You know what I mean? Like the other guys that fought that I trained with, they were just like, just don't eat carbs. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This was the 90s. So it was like, you know, again, not a lot of science to support me. 
But I just did what they did, and I just literally ate nothing but tuna fish and salad for every meal of the day for like five years, you know? Then when I was competing in Strongman, at that time I was listening to a lot of Rob Wolf stuff, and I got into the whole paleo diet, and I really was like strict on that. And um, yeah, both of those things worked, but I, I gained a lot of weight after both experiences. Like when I stopped with fighting i went from 160 pounds up to like 220 in six months how tall you know? are you pat five six okay you know it was like i just want to crush weights and eat cake you know and um <laughs> sounds like then, your next book yeah right like <laughs> and then when i stopped competing in strongman i again i got married and i you know just ate and didn't pay attention to anything and a couple of years ago, like 2019, I had gotten all the way up to 235, which is the heaviest that I've been at. And at that point, like in all honesty, some of the other people that I worked with would just like, you know, did like elbow me with little jokes about being fat. And like even the Internet, I remember the first time seeing someone call me Fat Davidson. And it was like, ooh, that that is really like that's painful to see that. And so it was a situation I got people cleaning my windows outside all of a sudden they just dropped <laughs> down like Spider-Man. Um, you know, at that point, like it was like, you know, I got to do something, you know what I mean? Like, and for me, the insults were motivation and it was kind of like, Oh, you guys don't know. Like I've done this before at a really high level and you know, I can do this. Like you have no idea how lean I've been at different points in the past. You only know this version of me. You're going to find out like there's a whole other level of what I'm willing to do. So it kind of started from this place of like spite and just wanting to show people like, look, I, I can trust me. I can take this really far and do some interesting things if you want to see. But it was harder for me because I didn't have a competition. Like I didn't have a date. It was really kind of like, Hey, I have to start putting together like actual lifestyle things the way that normal people do. Like, how am I going to get this done? And for me, I, I shifted over. I started using the Renaissance periodization diet app and that's based on counting macros and, you know, it gives you good stats for how compliant you are with your tracking and all that kind of stuff. And so I started it. I went down that road. When did you start this? I started that in April of 2020, I believe. Okay. I wanted to try to like lose weight January of 2020. And I was kind of hit or miss. I wasn't following anything specific. But then COVID kind of hit and I was able to have more time and focus on training and, and diet and things like that. And so it was right around like maybe a month into COVID where it was like, you know what, I'm going to try this thing and let's see how it goes. And you know what, I just kind of ran like a couple of fat loss diets, went back and forth, with fat loss, maintenance, muscle gain. And a couple years later, by two years later, it was almost like, wow, like I've actually gotten myself into like pretty much the best shape I've ever been in. Like, mm you know, better than I ever was, was with MMA weigh-ins better than I ever was with strongman weigh-ins. This is a better version of me than I've ever been. And recently I actually like decided, like I was going to take a full year and really focus and compete in bodybuilding. Cause it was like, you, you have know, the, well you have the structure for it. Yeah. Might as well do something with it. If I'm going to be following this level of diet and really like the other diets worked back in the day. 
you know, the no carbs, the paleo, but they never got me to the level where I'm at now because like the RP one that, you know, Mike Isretel put together is there's so much science behind it from the appropriate number of calories, the ratio of macronutrients, the timing, all of those things. And it's like, oh, this is why science always wins. Like if you follow evidence-based and best practice, it is always going to win, give it enough time. And, you know, for me, it's, it's just kind of like, it's been easier too. Like I don't have the level of suffering that I had back then with the weird diets that I was kind of following. You said you started following these, you know, weight loss, maintenance, gain. How long were you running these different cycles for? How long would you go weight loss and then go back to maintenance or re, you know, yeah. reverse diet so, back to maintenance and then go to gain? Typically the, um, you know, the app will have suggestions for how long to run these things. And when you tell it that you want fat loss, it usually gives you eight weeks, you know, Mm -hmm. so you dial it in for eight weeks and it'll recommend a certain amount lost. Like it would almost always be 11 pounds in eight weeks for me. I was like, all right, here we go. Like, let's, let's ride this wave. And I've never missed the number. Like it's Mm -hmm. always landed me right there or even a little bit more. And then it recommends like two, at least two thirds of the time that you were in fat loss to spend in maintenance and maintenance is usually a pretty comfortable place to be. It's not terrible. It's not easy after fat loss. It's not like you go from fat loss ending and then just boom, like splurge on food. Like, (laughs) no, you get a little bit more food after about a week. You're like, you know, less thinking about food, hungry, the whole deal. So you might be in maintenance for what, like five, six weeks, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then you could run another fat loss diet or switch to muscle gain or whatever. You know, it's, it's pretty specific to where you're at from your body fat percentage goals. It's much more manageable for me. So right now I've been kind of following like two muscle gains, two fat losses and maintenance in between. Like, so I'll go like fat loss, eight weeks, five weeks of maintenance, fat loss for eight weeks five to six weeks of maintenance, muscle gain for the one I'm doing right now, I actually have it as 12 weeks for eight pounds. And then it'll be, you know, maintenance after that. And and I'll follow that with another muscle gain. Okay. Let me ask you this. So some people are listening to this like, wow, that's, that makes sense. You know, you're going to lose weight for a little bit. You're going to maintain. Do you ever like enjoy yourself and eat food that you would enjoy? Is it kind of one of these things like you just, as long as you got the calories in, do you ever, did you ever go like, there was a special occasion and you went out and had that meal. You know what I'm saying? How did that work when you were trying to lose weight? Yeah, man. Like that happens. Like it's like, I guess like anything, it depends on your goals. Like if you have really extreme goals, maybe you get a little bit less of that, you know, but it's, it's kind of like you you can think along the lines, like the 80, 20 rule or something like that. Like for in the beginning, especially like for me, I've gotten a little bit more focused, a little bit more focused over time because I like the results more than I like cookies. So (laughs) there you go. But I remember like the first year, even I think I ate out every weekend, you know what I mean? Like, you know, Friday or Saturday night, I'd go out and have like a, a meal at a restaurant, like anybody would burgers, fries, whatever. And I was probably somewhere around somewhere between somewhere ballpark of 80% compliant with, with what I should be doing. And that was plenty good enough for me to hit my goals. And, you know, even this, like recently, like I had Thanksgiving and yeah. I, like everybody else did for Thanksgiving, 
And I think the other thing it teaches you is not to be too emotionally overreactive to things like Thanksgiving. Because I went from pre-Thanksgiving 185 to the Monday after Thanksgiving 192. And it's like, oh no, oh my God. But I, all I did was I just kept following the plan that was thought of before Thanksgiving. And I was eating plenty of calories, but my body weight kind of came back down to like 189, 188 by the end of the week. And it's like people overreact to the small things that are most likely fluid changes in your body Mm -hmm. weight. And they underappreciate the really long time, like time under the curve sort of a thing. And that's really what matters. If a diet is only something that you can stick to for three months, it's probably not that great. If it's something that you can stick to for three years, that's the dramatic stuff. Like body composition changes to me are time under the curve with good enough compliance. And if you can't have a long period of time under the curve of going in the right direction, you might as well, I don't know, not follow anything in truth. Makes a lot of sense. For perspective of somebody that's trying to make these changes, right? Are there certain mental things from a mental framework or mindset that you need to change if you're going to make a commitment to this long run? Like if you're like, you know what, I'm 20 pounds overweight, or maybe you're somebody that's just like, I've never been able to accomplish a body composition that I want. Are there things you're going to have to change about the way that you're thinking to be able to get there and stay there? Yeah, I think there are actually. Like number one, reminds me of what my MMA coach used to say to me. He'd play psychological games with me. Like he'd see that I was losing in a match, getting dominated by somebody. And he'd start saying like, hey, it's okay, Pat. You can just tap out. You can quit. You can be like everybody else. It's fine. Nobody's going to think any worse of you. And that would get in my brain and make me go nuts. You know what I mean? Like, bro, I am no way. Like I'm fighting back here. And I think like there's going to be some pain points for people. Like what is the degree of pain point that makes you quit? And you got to move that spot up and to the right on your personal graph, like little things. I started working with, with a new coach on some stuff and he recommended like, Hey, get aspirin, vitamin C, vitamin K, ZMA, niacin. And I remember seeing this list and being like, Oh, I don't want to get all this crap. And I remember thinking to myself, man, this is a very low barrier, low effort thing that you have to do. Go on Amazon and just get the damn things. They're going to get delivered to you. It's really not that big of a deal. But I kind of zoomed out from that moment. And I was like, man, this is a really good representation of anything that's new that you don't like. There's this emotional overreaction. You're like, I don't want to do it. And I think that's just the case for everybody. So, you know, to me, it's, it's a willingness to listen to experts that have very high levels of credentials with very clear recommendations, and then actually do what they say to do. Shut up, get out of your own way, stop trying to take the steering wheel back. And it's like, no, 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 fall in line, fall in line, just do what you're told. And if you can just do that for a couple of weeks, it'll become a habit. You don't even notice it anymore. Like there's so many people where I'm like, well, have you ever thought about, you know, like measuring your food? And they're like, oh, I can't do that. I'm like, you can't do that? Are you kidding me? It's the same crap you were going to eat anyways. You just literally put it on a scale for five seconds before you eat it. 
Okay. Same plate, same food, same everything. Just put it on a scale and weigh it. I'm like, okay, fine. Next time you go to the gym, don't weigh the exercises. Just randomly slap on plates on both sides of the bar and See go how get quickly it. you get hurt. Exactly. But it's like, oh, this- in actuality, a lot of these things are low effort, low barrier of entry, but we build them up so high in our head because they're novel. Everything that's novel sucks in the beginning. And if you just chip away at it and do it for a little while, it ends up being no big deal, low level habit stuff. And you have to learn to identify when these pain points are popping up because you're going to have the same reaction regardless of if it's super difficult or super easy, and then push through that for a minute, for a day, for a week. And before you know it, you're going to have way more good habits. And probably the difference between successful people and unsuccessful in life is successful people probably have more good, habitual, unconscious activities that make up the time of their day compared to unsuccessful people who have the same number of habits they're just worse habits. Dude, you are putting on a masterclass. This is so true. I mean, when I was an athlete and you show up to the gym, the strength coach said, do this and you did it. And guess what? If you did it day after day after day and you weren't drinking like a fish and doing other things, you even if you were doing that, people were getting better. I've watched a lot of my yep. teammates get better. I think when you become an adult, it's this comfort thing, right? Comfort is a really dangerous word, in my opinion, because it will keep you from doing the things they're going to really ultimately make you happy. And so I love this idea of just like, hey, like you're it's novel. Okay. Okay. It's novel but just push through it for a little while and then you're going to get that reward and you should celebrate that. I'm not saying going celebrating if it's food with pizza, right. but literally acknowledge for a moment that I stuck with this for two weeks and guess what? X, Y, or Z happened. Great job, Eric. You got this E let's do it again. And then again, and then again. And so I really appreciate you sharing your story. I think the context of your background and having done this makes a lot of sense. And I don't want to, I don't want to kind of just brush under the rug the fact that what people were saying was hurtful, Mm. but sometimes those hurtful comments can be motivators and you used it in a positive way. You could have used it in a negative way and like, you know, screw you, whatever, but you're like, no, 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 no. You, You don't have the right perspective of me. And I mean, this is what I'm just hearing here. And then you're like, I guess what? I'm going to do something for me. And and at the same time, you'll, you'll see a different side of me. And you just put the work in. Um, right. You're the same guy. You know, you're delivering the same results for folks. But I, I do want people to know out there that when somebody says something that hurts you, you need to acknowledge, man, that hurt. But then like, look at it from a perspective of like, what? how can I use this in a positive way for myself and even maybe help somebody else? I remember back in the day, there was this crazy video called the smashing machine it was uh, mark kerr was an mma fighter back in the early days where there was pride fighting championship in the ufc he fought over in pride and his nickname was the smashing machine mark kerr was a bad man and i remember in that video he was talking about you know every fight you're gonna get punched in the face and there's only a couple of reactions to that one of them is it pisses you off and it makes you come back and you want to show that that guy that you think you hit hard, I'm going to show you what hitting hard is all about. And the other one is that it makes you cower and curl up and take a beating and keep taking a beating. And which one of those responses, 
And I'll tell you, like, I don't care how tough you are. Somebody hits you hard enough. I've seen the toughest people I've ever known. Their career ends because they got hit so hard one time that it, it literally unplugged them from the matrix. You know what I mean? Man's men. And it happens. It happens. Like, head injuries are real. But it, it, it applies with this stuff, too. You can get hurt so bad emotionally. I've seen people curl up and die. I've seen other people get hit with stuff that's, like, crushing, but they... They're like, uh-uh, you don't know about me, man. Like, I'm going to show you what's in me. You cannot break me. You cannot put me down. I will come back 10 times harder. And for me, like, I've had some crazy stuff happen in my life, you know? And I don't think I'm breakable from emotional stuff. I can be hurt worse than anything. It might take a long time. I will always come back and make changes and go forward and use those things as fuel eventually. So, you know, I kind of always have that in the back of my mind. Mm. I appreciate you sharing this because I think this is going to impact a lot of people and help them understand that like, you know, I, I recommend go go back a couple years, two years in, in your feed and you can watch this journey unfold. And now that you have context for it, you can see that this wasn't like, day, you know, people are like, oh, had the Hollywood thing transformation. You know, I got on all these peptides and did this and this. And but you went through a transformation that was more external than internal. It was always there. You've always, but you're like, you know what? I'm going to use this situation and I'm going to show you. And I just think it's really important for people to go look at this and then listen to this podcast and layer these things over on top of each other because it will give you kind of a roadmap for something you can do kind of in anywhere or any part of your life. So thank you, Pat, for joining me today. I really respect you and I appreciate you for sharing this. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. And if you found today's episode to be insightful, please leave us a comment and review in the Apple Podcast app as this is one of the best ways that you can help spread the message of the Blueprint. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode.